Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. One of my favorite guests to have on this show over the years has been Nick Aliotti, Pac-12 Network analyst, former Oregon defensive coordinator, a guy who's got some good life experience and he knows a good pasta sauce when he sees it. Nick Aliotti joining us now. Anna is here as well. Coach, I'm sorry. You're going to get peppered here. And on. You know, I haven't never met – well, I've met Anna once down at the Pac-12 uh, media days a few years back, but uh, Anna comes across to, across to me on the radio as a sweetheart, so <laughs> I welcome Anna's peppering. I'm ready, Anna. I love it. I love it. Good evening. Hey, so let me start with you, Coach. Uh, You know, it's a Washington week. Uh, I talked to Rich Brooks earlier in the week. He had a lot of good stories. By the way, he mentioned you on the golf course, says you clean up when you guys play for golf, play for money on the golf course. (laughs) Give me an idea of what Washington week brings to your mind. Well, Washington, it's a rivalry. Uh, No question about it. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is the Kenny Wheaton pick, which everybody uh, remembers, and especially if you're in Oregon, well, I probably remember if you're a Husky fan, too. But what comes to my mind is that early in my career, I got to Oregon in 78, okay? And uh, in 78, Washington dominated us. I mean, for years, they just dominated us and kicked us all over the, the field, and then after that pick, and and shortly after that, Oregon started to become part of the haves. Washington was the haves early in my career. We were the have-nots. And then later, we became the haves. Washington still was the haves, but I think they didn't like the fact that now we were on even par with them as far as facilities and even surpassed them and things of that nature were able to recruit against them. So that thing became, that rivalry has really become more and more just a big hatred for one another. And uh, I like the fact that that is a big deal. That game is a big deal, and this weekend should be outstanding. Was it more fun to win as a have-not, or was it more enjoyable when you had the resources and you were toe-to-toe with them, or how different is that? I think it's always more fun to win as the underdog and a have-not to to, uh, build something like Coach Brooks did at Oregon, and we were a part of it, and with Coach Pilate and seeing that thing, what it is today, and I heard you earlier talk about what Lanny, you know, Larry, Lanny has inherited uh, a pretty good gig. Now what Oregon is now compared, and, and I really don't think anybody really knows what it was truly like when we first got there in 78 uh, as far as facilities and offices and all those kinds of things. But I always think it's more gratifying 
when you do it as a have-not. I've always pulled for the underdog, uh, maybe because being a, a smaller guy in stature and being a guy that uh, whose parents didn't go to college and being the first one to go to college, all those things that you had to fight for and not having a whole lot of money. And, uh, and I don't say that being upset about it, but having to, to work your way uh, through college and all those kinds of things and then accomplishing it, to me, it's much more gratifying to do it, do it with less than to do it with more. So have not without a question. Kenny Wheaton, you mentioned the interception. We, we see it. We hear it all the time. Kenny Wheaton's going to score. You were part of that. Uh, what, what made that happen? Because Kenny has talked about studying film, knowing that they were in that formation, that the slot receiver would run an out. But you were there. You were part of the coaching staff, the preparation. What, what was that like for you? Well, I remember when they were driving down the field and they had converted some third downs earlier in that drive, and I'm going, gosh, we can't let this happen again. And uh, I thought for sure, we called a timeout right before that pick, and I thought for sure they were going to give the ball to Napoleon Kaufman because I would have done that. Somehow, some way, I would have got the ball in his hands. But anyway, we called a run blitz where we were zero coverage, meaning there's no free safety, although you don't need a free safety that much on the eight-yard line. Uh, and we, So we had a man coverage, a man blitz, and we were playing man-to-man across the board. And credit all goes to Kenny Wheaton for having studied that because he's told me on numerous occasions had the receiver, I think it was Jankowski is the name, it's close anyway, uh, had he broken in, he said, Coach, it would have been a touchdown. But I knew he was going out, and he jumped it, and the rest is history. Probably the biggest game in Oregon history, uh, and to get things to where they are today, is that pick by Kenny Wheaton. So all the credit goes to him uh, for pulling that off. When that's happening, Kenny Wheaton intercepts the pass, the stadium uh, erupts, um, where were you? Are you in the coaching box? If you're in the coaching box, what was the reaction? Or were you on the field? I don't know where the coordinators were at that time. At that time, young in my early in my career, I was on the sideline because I thought I needed to be around the players to look them in the eye. And I always thought that I could maybe motivate them and fire them up. So early in my career, and that at that time, I was on the sideline. But in reality, Kenny Wheaton's going to score became famous because Kenny Wheaton did score. But Kenny Wheaton should have went down to a knee and let us take a <laughs> knee and run the clock out. Probably the, score, the story would not be as good. But uh, so Kenny Wheaton scoring makes it a great story. Were you jumping around? Are you sitting there in disbelief? Are you smiling? You know, what do you remember? I remember being happy as a guy could be and the feeling. I always talk to my players or my wife about, and uh, don't misconstrue this, that winning a football game is the greatest drug in the world. The high that you get after a week's preparation and, and all the work you put into that, it's like having a midterm or a final every week. And to win a game, it's not easy. And to win a game against the Huskies, 
being where we had been all those years and how much it, it meant and gave us a chance to go to the Rose Bowl, which we finally finished off. Uh, it was an unbelievable feeling. And when he picked that ball off, uh, there were a lot of happy people, none happier than the guy you're talking to. Uh, Coach Anna here. Uh, I'm fascinated just reading about uh, your life as the eldest of five children growing up in the suburbs of San Francisco. Your dad, Joe, worked for U.S. Steel. I think it's interesting that, you know, John was so looking forward to this interview with you. You guys have some interesting crossovers. You went to UC Davis where you earned three letters as a running back and you were MVP of your freshman team. And I didn't know that you also coached at Oregon State as a running backs coach before you then went on and were offensive coordinator at John's alma mater, Chico State. Yes. Uh, you know, I the first 11 years of my career, Anna, I was an off uh, offensive coach, uh, coached running backs and coached offensive line, believe it or not and was the coordinator at Chico State, where John played some great outfield for the Wildcats. <laughs> uh, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and then I was at Oregon State. When I was, after leaving Oregon as a graduate assistant, I was very fortunate to get a full-time job at 26 years old in the Pac-8, or maybe just became the Pac-10 at that time at Oregon State and uh, was there for four seasons under Joe Amazano and uh, never even imagined uh, how this thing would all play out. I went to school to be an engineering major. I was always good at math, and I was going to be an engineering major. And when I finished playing ball my senior year at UC Davis, and I know I'm all over the place right now, my head football coach, Jim Soker, Hall of Fame football coach, said, Nick, I want you to coach your position, which was the running back. He said, I'll pay for your master's if you do this. And uh, so I did it, loved it, never got my master's. In the rest <laughs> of well, we were all better for it. I love it. You found your path. Did, did, being, yeah. did being an offensive guy, does that help you later in your career when you switch to defense, understanding what they're trying to do on offense? Absolutely, and the two, because I always talk in terms of understanding leads to control. In any situation of life, if you understand what you're doing or where you want to go, and you can couple that with what your opponent or the life challenges ahead of you are, are bringing your way, you can control the situation. The more you understand what you're doing, then tie that into what other people are doing, the better you can control things. So, yes, I was very fortunate to, put, to coach on the offensive side of the ball. And more importantly, having coached offensive line and then secondary, two of the, the, the toughest units uh, where you need a lot of cohesion and things going together and communication really helped me in understanding pass protection, how to attack pass protection, and then how to adjust the things from the, the secondary part of it. So, uh, those two things really helped me in becoming a better football coach and, in particular, a defensive co coordinator at the end of my career. 
going back to talking about your family of origin, which, you know, the older I get, the more fascinated I am by people and how they were raised. Your dad worked for U.S. Steel. What did he do for U.S. Steel, and how did that shape your life? My dad was a tool and die maker, Anna, and uh, don't ask me what that is, but he'd make the dies. He'd make the dies for nails and things of that nature. I know that much. And my summer job when I was in college oftentimes was in U.S. Steel, uh, not actually in his department. One year in his department, which was, was wonderful, but other years was at a different department like coal reduction and things of that nature. And let me tell you, walking into U.S. Steel and then clocking in and clocking out and then walking out of U.S. Steel, there was no doubt in my mind I was going to graduate from college and do something from there because I did not want that kind of life. And and I'm going to – my dad – I can't say enough good things about my dad. My dad was an unbelievable father as far as supporting us. We always had clean clothes, and we always had great food, and we always had plenty of love. We didn't have a lot of money, but those three things got us a long way. And my dad taught me about hard work. Because when he would come home from the steel mill and he worked, uh, you know, they had days and swing shift, which is uh, like 2 to 11, and then sometimes graveyard. Every two weeks he'd have a different shift. When he was on his day's working shift, he would come home and drive a chlorine truck, deliver chlorine back in the day, which I would help him with. And then he might umpire or officiate games at night to get, and then on the weekends, He'd work in a gas station. Wow. So you think about a guy working an eight-hour shift in the steel mill and then, then doing other jobs to uh, put food on our table, clothes on our back, and still being there with all the love and support and never miss games if he could make it. Uh, a wonderful man and a great person to uh, try to uh, – I try to shape my life and be a parent after my dad because – he showed us the way. Football became big for you guys. You and your brother Joe. I think Joe went to Boise State and then was later at De La Salle coaching uh, high school kids, part of the big success there. Um, what was it about football that drew you guys towards that sport? You know, it, it's, it's funny, John, because I've been asked this a lot. My brother Joe, by the way, was an All-American quarterback at Boise State. I'm going to brag about him a little bit. He's in the Boise State Hall of Fame, and they won the national championship at their level. I think it was Division II at the time in 1980. The last pass he threw was with 20 seconds left for a touchdown to win the national championship. Joe and I were both better baseball players than we ever were football players, without a doubt. And, and not bragging on that, we just were. Uh but when I went to UC Davis during orientation in August, I was watching the team practice uh, during my orientation and was actually up there on a visit. And I said, I could play on the freshman team. And my buddy said, that's the varsity. So I went out and uh, started my first year at running back. And the rest is history. And it just kind of drew me towards football. And I never followed up on baseball like I should have because I had a girlfriend, and I was a, a mama's boy, 
and I had to come home every weekend. I had to come home every weekend for pasta and didn't understand that. Nick Aliotti, this is college. Go to college. There's all kinds of things out there. You're a baseball player. you got to play baseball. But uh, it worked out okay. But I always regret the fact that I didn't follow up on the baseball. Uh, I got drafted in the 18th round by the 18th round out of high school by the Kansas City Royals. So baseball was my sport by far. But as I say, it worked out okay. Nick Aliotti with us, uh, longtime Oregon defensive coordinator, now an analyst with the Pac-12 Networks. Uh, these two teams, Washington and Oregon, will play at Autzen on Saturday. Uh, I want to ask you, what what do you think happens in this game? I think Oregon's going to be too much for Washington, but what do you see? I think it's going to be very high scoring. Two offenses that are really playing quite well, scoring a lot of points. It should be an offense, offensive fireworks, and I think that's exciting. But de- defensively, nobody's really stepped up in this entire league. You know, you don't really have those standout, real standout defensive players that I'm used to seeing. But what I see is two offenses really battling, scoring a lot of points, and in the end, the Oregon defense has a little bit more, in my opinion, than Washington's defense. And the Oregon offense has been outstanding, absolutely incredible under Bo Nix and Lanning uh, and Dillingham. I just think the offense at Oregon is a little bit too much. They could run it. They could throw it, whereas Washington relies on the pass. And I don't think you could ever win a game if you truly rely on the pass when it's a championship-caliber type game, and that's what this is this weekend. Coach, uh, before I cut you loose, by the way, this has been a fantastic interview. I told Anna yesterday I was looking forward to this. But the the best two teams in the conference, you've seen them all. You know, Who do you think the best two teams are? Who would you like to see play in Vegas? Well, the best two overall teams right now when they're fully healthy are Oregon and Utah. Those are the best two teams. But I think it's going to be – Either it's going to be Oregon for sure versus either I think USC or UCLA, yeah. and I got a hunch it's going to be USC. USC offensively, uh, you know, whoever wins that game, in my opinion, if they don't slip up, that being UCLA and and USC, and there'll be some tiebreaker stuff involved. Yeah, uh, I think the winner of that game will play Oregon in the championship game. And I, I think UCLA's a little better team because they play better defense. Yeah. But that Caleb Williams at USC, John, uh, is pretty special. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's going to be Oregon for sure. And if you had to, if I had to give you an answer right now, I'm going to say UCLA because I think they play a little bit better defense than uh, USC does. All right, Coach. Hey, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, I will see you at the stadium, and uh, let's stay in touch. But thanks for sharing your stories and your expertise. I think there's a lot of life lessons in what you're talking to when you talk about family. John, I always appreciate coming on. You know that. Uh, I'm a big fan of yours, and I think I'm a bigger fan of Anna's. One of these days we're going to have dinner together. Let's do it. The and the Gonzanos and uh, – Wishing you guys nothing but the best.
Thank you so much. I look forward to it. Let's let's make that happen. Yeah, let's not just say that. I know. Everybody let's always do, says, yeah. let's do dinner. Let's make yeah. it happen, all yes. right? Next time you and Kathy are up this way, let's do it. Love to. And you're right. i got to make that happen. All you right, guys cool. have a great night. All right. There he is, Nick Aliotti, man of the world. Grant, you know, it's interesting. You talk about parallels. Like, Aliotti, his father works in the steel mill. Mm -hmm. My grandfather worked in the steel, you know, mill. His dad worked for U.S. Steel. But um, just love those interviews where you learn something about somebody's journey. Maybe we can all take something from that. I want you to leave it here. You got the BFT statewide. Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Coming up top of the hour, we'll do the five at five, five biggest stories, biggest baddest stories going on. Uh, Anna's working on that right now. Five, the big five. We should call it the big five. Big five? The fiver. You know what I mean? <laughs> Five, I, I laugh because Hawaii Five O. You say they're the most important stories. Yeah, and yeah, but uh, it, it's all hyperbole. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I'm drumming Maybe that I'm, up. Too, I'm taking you too literally. Cause I know often the stories I present likely are not the most important stories with a capital I. Let's be real. There's n there's really nothing that I'm going to do on this show <laughs> that is going to be more important than. The stuff that is going on in the households of our listeners. <laughs> That's true. We're not going to save a life on this show. Well, maybe we might. Maybe, 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 maybe we might save a life. We'll leave the door open for that. We might uh, encourage somebody to do CPR. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we are, uh, you know, it's not going to be more important than the parenting that they're going to do, but they might get a parenting tip. Yeah, from us? Yeah. Don't listen to us. I no. also think, <laughs> no. I and I believe this, this is not hyperbole. I think the listeners of our show, are smarter than the listeners of other sports radio shows. What I, makes you think that? It's anecdotal, but I talked to some other people who, and I grew up with people who listen to sports radio. Mm -hmm. mm, not very bright. <laughs> but the listeners of this show, I meet them, uh -huh. and I go, hey, these are well-rounded people. Oh, they have great callers. I mean, yeah. callers are amazing. They, they have call lives. and bring up phenomenal points. The, they're, not, they're not like in their mom's basement. So I think they're well, smarter. That's okay too. No, I think they're smarter, and I think they're better looking. Better looking than other yeah. radio yeah. show fit. audiences. Yeah, more yeah. healthier. They'll live longer. <laughs> that's why you stick around for the five we got greatest the hottest stories. Crowd. We got the hottest crowd. <laughs> we got the hot people here. All right, we're and, behind and the we're ropes. Working on the show look, too. Look at the rest of the. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but. If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.